And now, back to our show. Be sure, and I mean sure, I mean really, really sure, sure, be sure to tune in to Frank Cattolo, on Cattolo Chronicles, at 9 o'clock, which is when you're hearing this. So, this is really an exercise in redundancy, but I love Frank, so I wanted to do this anyway. God bless you. Frank Cotolo. He just talks and 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 talks Today's business is run on information, and that information runs on servers and in data centers. Cha, cha, Melancholia by Charles Bukowski. The history of melancholia includes all of us. Me, I writhe in dirty sheets while staring at blue walls and nothing. I have gotten so used to melancholia that I greet it like an old friend. I will now do fifteen minutes of grieving for the lost redhead, I tell the gods. I do it and feel quite bad, quite sad. Then I rise, cleansed, even though nothing is solved. That's what I get for kicking religion in the ass. I should have kicked the redhead in the ass, where her brains and her bread and butter are at. But, no, I've felt sad about everything. The lost redhead was just another smash in a lifelong loss. I listen to drums on the radio now and grin. There is something wrong with me besides melancholia. like the bard. I don't sound like the bard now, do I? The bard of broadcasting. All right, I'm back. A 
talk smarts, guts, and hearts. Boy, it takes guts to get behind this microphone and 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 attempt this this under all possible pressures. Entertainment, irrelevant, irreverence, naturati, a couple surface netaholics and infomaniacs. Uh, excuse the glitches, and uh, come on in. We're going to do it in the Matter Point right here, Y2K plus 12. My name is Frank Atobo, man whose name we're doing the title of the show. Camp to Icecap from Hamlet to City, from Othello and into every uh, bordello, you betcha. Play those zithers, just don't, not automatically though. I tell you. Let's, let's move along, okay? 12th season of the new millennium uh, rapidly coming to a close. And here I am. After a brief interlude, one of those rare weeks I was not here. If you if you log these uh, shows and put numbers on them like you're supposed to do, like everybody who catalogs and archives uh, are supposed to do, I just I just write them and do them here. You know I shouldn't be responsible. I'm the bard of this this broadcast and of internet broadcasting. And so uh, as we go to the end. Of the 12th season of the new millennium. Two-part show. It's all in the same stream, though, so don't go anyway. Okay, don't go anywhere. First hour, and then the second half. First hour, we'll talk about many things. The second hour, we'll uh, have a Velvet to Steel direct from a faraway place. At least far away from where I am sitting and located right now. But we will be close, and we will be talking... And you will enjoy it, I swear it. In the meantime, dance a little, all right? No tweeting, okay? You shouldn't tweet while the show is on. Just listen, especially if you're live. I have no idea how this is working out either. Change, change. Hey, listen. Wake up. It's night. And that's what I mean. Wake up. Hada, 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 hada. Yes. <laughs> yes. You sunburned sickleman. Okay, come on. 
No idea where that was. Uh, where where was that? Where was that streaming? What what desk? What desk was that? I don't even know if anything. <laughs> it's just it's absolutely. Ay ay ay! And now I can't get the clock has stopped. This is fascinating. What's going on in this world of my my world here? Here on the. I don't know. I, my name is Frank Atone. I'm a man whose name adorns the title of the show. If you're listening to it, or what's happening to it is there's absolutely no reason to understand this. Maybe if I do this, da da, does that work? Huh? No, not at all. Huh? I guess. Oh yeah. We're, okay, we're on. But but okay, we're on. But all this is beautiful. I love this. We're on. But all. Oh, now it's unlocked. You know, change, it, it's a, it's a fascinating thing and we constantly deal with it because it's all over the place, right? I mean, in every, every section of our life, change, everything's changing. By the moment, everything changes. That's why I have to wake up because it is night indeed. And if it's not, it's getting there really quickly. My name is Frank Atom. My man's name is Jones, the title of the show. And I'm trying my darndest to, uh, darndest. And where's that? Where, where's that? My darndest, you know, these voices that creep into my brain while I'm uh, diverted, diverted, distracted. That That's true. Distracted. But we are here on this Y2K plus 12 and December just, you know, floating away. The, the clock is working again now. I, you know, things, the glitches, zeros, ones. I got boxes that are going awry on this brand new board of ours and I don't know what to do other than to sit here and do what we do and try to ignore the various technical maladies how do these things shrink what is this nobody you know and I always you know here's what's great no matter what issue I have to address on the internet on the, the tech side Whatever it's been since the beginning of my association with this digital world, it's been the same thing. Something happens, and I tell the person who knows most about all of this, certainly tons more than I know. That person will inevitably, and I mean always, ninety, let's say 100% of the time, say, that's strange. I've never heard of that issue. That's strange. I've never heard of that issue. So, in a in a uh, a life and a culture where it's very simple to suddenly feel victimized, <laughs> and all the psychological wires connect to one another—the red one to the blue one, the blue one to the—all of this stuff comes together in that world. I am suddenly on the platform of the new digital technology. Things happen. And what happens when things go awry? Like the, right now, as things are, even as I speak now, the wildest things are happening. You have no idea and I have no idea. But when I, I bring this to the attention of those who know, they go, that's strange. I've never heard of that issue. 
<laughs> and, and I now you know I wonder if this is something thematic in my life. Does this does this just happen like this? Does this just happen like this? I mean, I look back and say, wait a second. Haven't there been teachers? Have there been lovers? Have there been acquaintances, business partners who have had certain activities? Activities, no, not activities. They've had certain situations with me. I think back, with me, Frankie Tolo, where they've said, hmm, this is strange. I've never had this issue before. <laughs> and so if you want to feel like a vi- if I wanted to, I could be the classic, the template victim, victim, victim. Right? Because this is, this is just outrageous. And it always happens. It always happens. You know, people, there are people who I've always had an issue with checkbooks, you know, the books that tell you how to run software and hardware. The tech writers always were tech people. And so they didn't know how to write. They knew how to tech. They knew all the tech stuff and they explained it. When you know something very, very well and someone else does, when you know something very, very well, you make, you can make a big mistake when you're writing about it. And that is to assume that people know anything about it, anything about it. So the tech writers write and you read this stuff. And if you know nothing about it, then their assumptions totally wrong about everything. I don't know what they are writing about. I don't know what they're telling me. And even now, you know, and I know how to, I know exactly how to fix what's wrong in front of me in every other situation. In this particular situation, it doesn't work. <laughs> this whole board is going to what? Disappear eventually? This thing is going to disappear because <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Nobody knows. As I said, Velvet Steel, fascinating person, will be on this show live. And I got to get Skype going again. And and what is it? You know, what is that too? This has been happening since the inception of the internet, of course, and we've talked over and over and over again about how quickly things change. But it's like every, it seems like every two weeks I go to a, a, a an application that I have or something, and it's like, whoop, time to update, whoop, time to do this, whoop, wait a, what are all these files that are updating? What are they doing with all this stuff? It, they, don't even, they don't even tell you, and that doesn't make much sense to me. Why these things even need to be updated or changed and why they change constantly just when you get used to using it. And this doesn't happen in any other kind of platform. And I am not ragging as the, as the as a very bad phrase, very urban phrase. I'm not ragging about the digital platform. As you know, I'm a great supporter of the digital platform. But all I'm saying is this. Why uh, is that uh, why doesn't this happen in any other particular situation? If you buy a stove, well, it used to be. If you bought a stove, I also don't want to sound as old as this particular monologue can make me sound because I don't want to talk about analog pieces of equipment or anything or machines 
as if, well, that was better back then because then all we had to do was this, that. You know, I'm not making a comparison. I am making an observation about the difference. But imagine, and you can't, so many of you can't even imagine this because you haven't been around that long. Bless you all. <laughs> you, you youngins, you haven't even been around that long. But we had you know, a time when, you know, if we had gotten a stove, Let's say we had bought a stove and it was a, wasn't even an electric stove, it was a gas stove. So I'd be hooked to the gas line of the house and you used it with the dials, uh, okay, that were on the top of the stove on the little dashboard there and uh, you would turn the meter, which was, you know, it meter, uh, the lever for heat. 300, 400, whatever. You know, you do all this stuff with your hands, not with your hand on a mouse. And there were 3D pieces in front of you, okay? Now imagine, if you can, that that's how it works. For those of you who can't imagine, who've never had completely analog machines. Imagine if that was it and then you get a phone call three weeks after you buy it, and they say, listen, we have another attachment for that stove. You're going to have to get this attachment and put it in there. Otherwise, the stove isn't going to work. You go, why? Why does the stove runs off the gas? The gas is in the thing. Yeah, I know that, but unless we update this thing, and they never use updates, so they call it updates. Unless we give you this other attachment, you're not going to... Now, if they did that with an analog piece in the same sense that they do it with applications... Okay. In other words, if you updated and added pieces, physical pieces onto an analog machine at the same rate that we do it with a application, whether it be Adobe or, a, you know, Flash Player or Adobe Reader or anything like that, if you, then your stove, your analog stove would pretty much look like uh, one of those, uh, one of those, look like a rocket to Mars, as it was, you know, H.G. Wells' rocket to Mars. It would have contraptions all over it. I mean, if, if files, updates equaled physical pieces, and you put it on the stove, you'd buy the stove, and they kept putting pieces on it, and suddenly the stove is, it's, it also doesn't look anything like it used to look, because there are new contraptions all over the place. There's a lever, there's a thing, there's a gauge, and you name it. There's a gauge, there's a lever, there's a piece of something. That would be bizarre. And that didn't happen that way. You got a stove that lasts for 15 years. You never did an update. You never did anything <laughs> with that gas stove, even the electric stove. You don't do anything. It just sits there and you use it. That's it. Nobody else. They don't call you up. GE, if it was a GE stove, or they don't call you up. And if you have a problem, somebody actually has to come down and look at it. They can't, you can't do it like over the phone. We have a GE analog stove support on the line now, Mr. Cotolo. Yeah, well, you see, what's happening is it's not clicking. The timer's not clicking on to uh, beyond 300 degrees. All right, here's what you got to do. He says, <laughs> here's what you got to I want you to go into the, open the front of the stove, put your hands inside, Okay, put your hands aside. And see in the back, there's a, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, that's, that's, that's the equivalent. It doesn't happen like that. Now, still, as much as anybody knows about all these various software 
items, applications. I'm still, I'm just moving these boxes around now on this thing, and I still can't get the ones on the top to get bigger again. What, the, what is that? What is that? And then, then behooved. And then, then they get, and then, then so are the people who know how to work it. I'm be- strange. I've never heard that issue before. So here I am, the victim. Frank, me, Frank Catolo. This is Catolo Chronicles. Used to be the new underground. Now I don't know. I don't know what. What are we anymore? Are we the. Have we become the mainstream internet media here? <clears throat> Down the Hallelujah Trail? Change, change is terrible, you know, it's, it, and it just, I mean, it's, it's terrible because it never leaves anything good. <laughs> it never, right? Does it ever? All oh, that changed for the better. Nothing ever, what, what if it really changes for the better? And I know, I know what's going to happen now. I'm going to get, uh, emails and Facebook messages and tweets about how negative I'm being. But that is not true. Nothing really. Think about it. And I don't even want to go into that. We are going to talk about change, though, at a very different level in terms of identity when we talk with Velvet Steel. And there's a there's a there's a name, of course, in its own in its in its own right is a is a contrarian phrase, Velvet Steel. I remember how there used to be a phrase for women. This is back in the uh, 60s and 70s, a phrase for what maybe even goes before that. I think it goes to the 40s. You, you know, there used to be a phrase for women, kind of Matta Harry type women. I'm going to kill that thing so we don't hear when my mail is coming in. I'm, you know, uh, these women who would, uh, they would, seduce you with their charm and everything and then get what they want from you and you know and they wouldn't do it with violence and they would but eventually uh whatever they took uh you know screwed you and you got you know you got nothing you got got robbed or you got taken or you whatever and they used to call them she's got a velvet claw they used to say velvet claw because it felt good while you were being ripped apart that was the phrase. <coughs> Excuse me. As you know, I've had, I've had a little cold. I was sick and I lost this voice. I luckily found it again for a while. They used to go velvet, but velvet steel. That's like, it's like the, think about steel, strong, hard, and velvet, soft, and indeed feminine. Now, there are other Velvet Steels. If you go to, I don't even understand all that, but we're going to talk to Velvet Steel. He's going to come on our Skype, and I hope Skype doesn't ask me to. Would you like to update? No, I don't want to update. Now, I love this, too. It actually has time. Maybe time boxes come up. Your real audio, if you have real audio, your real audio uh, needs an update. And he's saying, not now. Okay, when? It, it asks you when. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, one day, three days, two weeks, a month, six months, next year. Let me, yeah, update it next year. I'll get back to you. Like, like I might, next, update it next year. There'll be 700,000 updates by then. <laughs> that is updated next year. You're asking me if I want it updated every two weeks. 
I know it sounds like I'm complaining. I don't like it. I don't like complainers. I'm not. I am just observing things and reporting them to you. My name is Frank Cotolo. I'm the man whose name adorns the title of this show. My clock is running here 25 minutes after the hour. That doesn't mean 25 minutes after the show. You'll notice the show has been, and I, I, you know, I apologize for that, but it's a little, little rocky in the beginning anymore until I can figure out how to translate what I used to do uh, in these collages in the beginning of the show to this particular format, this new platform. You know, if I can't do that, we're just going to do what we always did. Start the show off with the Bon Fry, and that's it, okay? That's it for the normal collages. Well, I really miss, I miss that, though. And, um, I mean, I like when I do that. And, of course, on the people who listen... Uh, hear things that they've never heard before and wonder about it. And that's why they write it down in their notebook. Or now they write it down in their Facebook and they tell everyone, listen, what I heard. And I know it came from me. So they learn about that. And that that's pretty much what we hear. We're just exposing, reporting things we observe and, and reporting them. If I can't get these collages working I'm just going to start the show. The whole show is going to change. Change again. Change. We'll get used to it. We'll do it. It'll work. In the in the brief collage that began this Y2K plus 12, log it, 6th of December, Y2K plus 12 show, someone, I, you know, I thought when I first was going to play this and I didn't monitor or pre Pre-hear it? What's pre-hear? Where did that, where's, what's that pre-hear? I didn't listen to this before I played it, but someone was doing the poem Melancholia by Charles Bukowski. Charles Bukowski. If you don't know him, you might want to get yourself right down in your book. Bukowski. B-U-K-O-W-S-K-I. Because what I intended to do before I got absorbed again in this technical side was I was going to talk about some melancholia. And I love the way it is described in uh, his particular spin on the feeling. So I was going to do that and then got thrown off completely here. Uh, but in the next, and I don't know what we're going to do for the middle. Uh, uh, we're going to take that, you know, we might not even take that break. Perhaps maybe right at 10 o'clock, we'll just put on something, or I'll, I'll just do an ID. This will be very, very much like an old, I hate to say, I don't like the word old anymore, like a classic. Let's use the word classic for old. How about that? That was, where did, remember when that came? Oldies but goodies. They were calling them oldies. In the 50s, and then in the 60s, they became classics. They weren't oldies anymore. They're still old. They're still oldies, right? The, the, the records, but now, but now they're classic. Let's call it classic. We're going to do this show as a classic radio show that you would listen to back in ages ago. And yet, it would be more like FM, because one thing about this new system and this new sound board and the whole technology that I'm talking about that's giving me a difficulty is that we're, we're dealing with stereo now. We were never stereo for years and years and years from SRN. I don't know if we were, I don't know if we were stereo on, I don't know if we were stereo on Ampcast, on Ampcast for many years. I don't know. 
But I have to open up Skype. Maybe we'll just do that. Why don't I do that now? That's what I need. One more, one more. I need one more window. Now, this is going to make sounds. Right here, my name is Frank Atoma, a man whose name adorns the title of the show. The show, by the way, next week, let's get this straight. What's coming on? Because it's, it's December, which means a couple of things. Uh, mostly, you know, we're heading towards the end of the year. But we will be doing that the, the final Thursday. Mm-hmm. See? The sounds, all these sounds. The final Thursday of the year when we do this show. We'll be doing Roll Call from the Bone Garden and the Artist D. Hopefully, everything will be okay with everything, technically and with everything. We'll be here. Then, but next week, next week, which is, and I don't have that in front of me. Do I? Oh, I don't know. I, my calendar. See, things change. My whole, my whole, my whole desk situation changed. Where I put the microphone changes. You don't care about this. What you want to do is to be educated and entertained. I don't even know if you want to be educated. You just want to be here for me, Frank Cotolo, and this fabulous show we have called Cotolo Chronicles. That was actually a sticky that it said. The guy who invented that. Was it a guy? He's a billionaire. A big deal. Uh, uh, the Oh, Dr. Popoli will be here on this show. A week from now. Now, again, now something else is going to happen as I as I move along. This has been happening for years and years and years. It doesn't matter because I keep talking. I will lose control of everything wireless in a matter of seconds. Here goes. I now this is great. And this I've had this I've had this investigated by plumbers, electricians, and it's a very very strange thing. The circuitry it has to do with circuitry, and this is analog. This has nothing to do with digital, but it will affect digital. Why? Okay, there's something that never happened before because it wasn't digital. But because we use wireless equipment, because we use wireless equipment, the the air – and I don't know how wireless equipment works. I don't, you know, I don't know. Cell phones work in the middle of the of the jungle, right? Everybody's got one and you just call – I'm going to call Brooklyn in New York. I'm in – where are you? I'm in Zimbabwe and I'm calling. I'll just get a – I can get a – can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? But because it's wireless, the wireless equipment stops working and there's this incredible static that only affects – so here's something – I'm telling you, it's like, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to get into the exact reasons. I just want these things to work correctly. I don't have time. Oh, it was a quick one. It's over now. And it's over now. And and we're back with the ability to use <laughs> wireless equipment. Ay, ay, ay. This is, is sometimes sometimes things just get to you and it all it all adds up. Gary Popoli, Doctor Gary Popoli, has a number of uh, new statistics and uh, polls. Not polls. There's studies in science. There's studies, studies and about behavior, behavioral science. Why you do the things you do. I do what I do. Why I do with you the things that I do with you. Why you don't do what you should do with me and whatever. All of this. As Dr. Popoli returns next week, and we're getting closer to the uh, well, Christmas is on a Tuesday, so none of this, none of the holiday stuff affects us because we're here on Thursdays. But the last Thursday, okay, wait a second, we can figure this out. 
If Tuesday, let's do this now together, okay? Because we have time. <laughs> I have a piece of... Can I have another piece? Where did my scrap paper go? I had an entire pad here. I know. I know. I sound so discordant. And you know, I got a late start here today, too. So. Okay, here's my little pad. Now, the 25th, which is Christmas, okay, is on a Tuesday. That means that 25th, 26th, that means the 27th is Thursday. And that would be it. There it is. There you go. Thursday, December 27th, is the roll call from the Bone Garden. And some of you are saying, what is that? The roll, roll call from the Bone Garden is where? We've done this through the years with any number of people. But over the past few years, the artist D, much broadcasting, the cyber broadcasting space with I, with I? Am I supposed to say me? Will be with me. That's 27th. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, the 27th. Oh, yes, it would have to be. The 25th of December is Christmas. That's a Tuesday. That Thursday, the Thursday after Christmas, is the last Thursday. That's when we're supposed to do roll call from the Bone Garden. The artist D and I, through the fabulous... Oh, fabulous. I said fabulous. That didn't make sense. Through the amazing platform of digital technology and science, we'll talk on this show, and we'll have a list of the people who passed away. Not all the people who passed away. We can't do that. We don't, what would we do? Just go in alphabetical order, and we don't even know half of them. It's bad enough we don't know all the celebrities. Celebrated people who have passed away in the year uh, Y2K plus 12. When I say celebrated, I don't necessarily just mean actors, singers, and entertainers. I mean people of science, people of math, people of art, other art, people of uh, politicians, and uh, world leaders, world leaders, circus clowns, Let's end Chinaman. What is it? Circuit Carnies? Carnies? Circuit Carnies? Freaks and Chinaman? No, Carnies? Circus Clown? Anyway, we'll be doing that. So if you're listening to, to this, remember, I just found out the date now. Boy, am I a man of the moment or what? Most people would say, you are or what? Frank Atolo. I got my coffee. You know, we haven't talked about this in ages. The fact that when we do this show, we have coffee. And the coffee that I have is, uh, is what is here because, no, the coffee everybody should have to uh, replenish your precious bodily fluids as you should do during this show. Certainly we should, those of us who talk on this show. And um, I, I being the number one person who talks on the show, my coffee is rich as rich as <laughs> rich as hell, sweet as sweet as Murray, and dark as I. Do you believe that I don't actually remember that right off the top of my head? I'm really off my. Am I off my? Off my game? No. No, I'm not. And once uh, Velvet gets here, things will get smooth. Black as hell, strong as death, sweet as love. Well, it's not sweet as love. I have, if you put a lot of sugar 
in your coffee. That's how you should have coffee. Black as hell. And a lot of you don't think of the color black when you think of hell. You think of red because of fire. Red and yellow. Red and yellow. And that's the pop culture fictional colors of hell. Red and yellow. You think of of uh, Satan. He's dressed in that red cape and the red tights with a pitchfork. The fire is, you know, it always has a yellow middle when you draw a fire. When you were a kid, when you drew fire and with crayons, red on the outside, yellow on the inside. That was the, 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 the nucleus of the flame there. Strong is death. We know death is strong because it, why? Well, it takes life away. <laughs> See, some, you know, some metaphors, allegories, allophores, and metagories are not that deep. Why is death strong? Because it takes life away. And life, and I'm lost because I don't know, life is what? And life is a powerful thing in itself. So, and the only thing that stops life is death. Life ends. Actually, Death is not a thing. On this, I, in my mind, my mind is constantly going over definitions. It's constantly looking into the various elements of, of the, death. Is not a thing. Death is just when life ends. That's death. So death is, and that's why they say, you know, well, death's a part of life because when life ends, uh, you're dead. Life ends. That's death. If life doesn't end, it's not death. And yet we take death and we make it into a very powerful, we personify it, and it's been personified over the years as a, what, a cloak, a man, a white, a pasted, white-faced man, thin and withdrawn face, cloak, always wearing a cloak, which, by the way, a cloak and a and a cape. A cloak connected to the cape. By the way, in those days, in the days when death followed the Swedish soldier from the battlefield home, as in the seventh seal sign, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I get them confused anymore. What's happening to my brain? The seventh sign. Seal? <laughs> That's a... <laughs> the in the in the very famous Ingmar Bergman movie, where death is following the Swedish soldier around, that Swedish soldier played by Max von Sydow, one of the many actors with three names, <laughs> Max von Sydow. But that's not his middle name; that four names. It's probably Max Svensson von Sydow. <laughs> death is personified as a man, and he comes and takes life away. Because we do that, all we do, uh, you know, mankind does that, just personifies things. And and that's why we, we think of, that's why we think of hell a certain way. All these images we have, because they're fed into us, this is why we're all neo-postmodernists. Because we all have these same, there are these standard images. And then what we do with those images, how we uh, how we contort them, refigure them, re-explain them, how they become part of what our legacy to other people in our relationships that's that's only us only each one of those particular definitions is unique see how to find i see how to find the correct is or are are 
No, each one of them is unique. So I was going to say each one of them are unique. That's not are. It's is. All this because we talked about, oh, because of the coffee, of course. And then sweet is love because you're supposed to, coffee's supposed to be sweet. I don't care what anybody says. And coffee is a bitter drink. And you make it sweet by adding sugar. And of course, sugar, honestly, sugar over the years has really gotten a bad rap. Why? Because it's related to so many bad things in your body. And it, it can help. It Sugar in itself, especially white refined sugar, maybe it's just the way they make the sugar all through the years. White refined sugar is actually attributed to causing end of life, which is death. Maybe before they had the word death, they just went, they, maybe they didn't have a word for it at one point. And, you know, from language to language, all of the the births, 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 not births, births of these words is probably different. And yet, uh, one comes from the other. You know, language in itself is neo-postmodernistic. Language, because you have the Romance languages and you have names, you have words that are very much the same. When I was in France, an American who lived there I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. She said to me, she worked and lived and worked there. And she said, Commissioner, I'll teach you. Oh, no, wait a second. It wasn't her. It was her French friend who was actually French and lived there. How did I confuse those two? Especially since one of them was so fantastically gorgeous. And that's the one I should remember. And I don't even remember her name. Let's come to this, my friends, Catolo Chronicles. Is it time? Am I becoming like John Gambling? I better find my son. You better take over the show. I think it's time I retire. I'll be, I'll be, what am I going to do? Become Glenn Campbell's manager? <laughs> I don't know. The girl, the woman in France said to me, she says, come here. I am going to teach you. I'm going to do this stupid French accent, right? I'm going to teach you how to say Many, many words in French in one lesson. One lesson. And she took every word that ended in T-I-O-N in English. Um, let's see, let's think of them. Now try to think. Every, there's a billion of them, right? And I'm going like, as like what? Like uh, condition. Condition. So I go, I don't know how to say it. How do you say condition in French? I go, I don't know. You take the syllables, and put different emphasis. Condition, condition. <gasps> wow. Suddenly I got it. I mean, like in a snap, she gave me the answer. You know, today you have to go out and you have to buy, a, a you know, 33,000 discs on how to speak different languages. Remember when Barry Farber was on the show? He's got He's written a couple of books on how you can pick up languages really easy. This is one of those tips about language that, you know, you learn only when somebody who really knows the language uh, tells you. So immediately, I was speaking French in all those words, and I didn't have the grammar down, but it was, wow, condition, condition. Wow. What about my, and I said to her, I said, what about my emotion? Oh, and then she went into somewhere else. But I mean, my emotion, emotion, emotion. Think about it. All the words now, right now, every single one of you people, think about them, write them down, write down, write down every word that ends T-I-O-N. I am now teaching you French 
in a grand, this is a grand French level. Did you think, I didn't even know when I started this show, as as dumbfounded as I was at that time, trying to put together pieces of technological, it's like, you know, it was like, it was like, a, it was like, it's like, I, you know, I know how to paint and I paint in, let's say I paint with oil. I got oil paints. I'm, uh, and then suddenly someone comes in and goes, we don't want to, no, you can't do oil paints anymore. Now you got to do it. Now you got to do water paints, watercolors. I got to do, do you know that transformation from, from doing oil to watercolors? Do you know what this, tra- you know the learning curve on this? Well, I know, I know some people are smarter than I am. No, than me. So, so they would, you know, but I'm not me. I would inevitably, if I did that, I was a painter and I did, I love oils, I paint oils. They said, no more oils, we're not going to do oils. I'm going to buy any oils. Your oil paintings are now worthless. We want your style in water, watercolors. And I have to learn to do watercolors. So I have to put my brand of painting onto water. And I had never used watercolors. Now I've got to use watercolors. And I'm like, I'm nuts. And I would have problems. And I would ask the person, who knows watercolors? I would go to him and I'd say, or her, and I'd say, how come when I mix blue and green, no, wait, blue and, blue and red to get green, isn't that it? Which I can't see anyway because I'm blue-green colorblind. Let's, let's say, I, how come when I use purple watercolors, I use watercolors and the, on the purple? When I use the color purple, it, it drips in thicker drops than my red. What do you think that expert in watercolors said to me? Time's up. But I think you know. That person said, that's strange. I've never heard of that issue before. And you wonder. You wonder. Why was I talking about painting again? Man, I don't know. I was... <clears throat> write write all these things down, will you please? Because we are going to do... And, and from what I heard, not that, you know, people don't death, people don't die, they don't end their lives so that they could be part of this list that we do. <laughs> Eventually everybody gets on the list, but they don't. We did have a couple of deaths this week, and you know, during the year, we don't uh, we don't mention things. Something really, really strange has to happen, where somebody has to die, and it has to have some significance in the particular time frame of the show for us to talk about it, or it has to spin off into some other subject. But we save it all for the end, and we got a list, and we don't need. I, you know, just covering them all in two hours is amazing. And people say, "What are you doing? Two hours?" They're still saying that. That thing you do on Thursday night, how do you do that for two hours? You know, is it is it that they don't believe? Some people, and this is the truth, this is the God's honest truth, this is the GHT. Some people say that. How can you do that for two hours? You know what they're really saying in their heads? How can I listen to somebody talk for two hours? That's what they're saying. They, that's, that's what they mean. It's not what they're saying. They're saying one thing, they mean another. How many times do we all do that? Right? Correct? What? 
trying to I'm trying to get out of the habit of the right, 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 right. Like I want anyone to say no, wrong, or yes, right, correct, of course. I, I don't need approval. And if you've listened to this show from the beginning, by God, you know, <laughs> I don't need approval. Oh, someone just went whoop. Someone, someone's there. Who is who is that? Someone just uh, picked up. Did you hear that whoop? That's a that's one of those. Oh, it's no, is it? I don't know. You know why? Because look, it's a whole different. It's a whole different format. So I don't know who just did that. Who just got online? I don't know. But it wasn't. Isn't velvet? Velvet's not here yet. Velvet will be here. Velvet is driving home. Just see her in that car. I can imagine the kind of car. I'm going to ask her about that. Because cars, you know, this is what I say now. And then I'm going to, and then I get on to, then I start doing it. We start talking. And I'm in a completely different frame of mind. Frame of mind? My frame. You can't frame my mind. Everything is, 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 is spilling over the frame. You know? All I know is this. When this show is over tonight, I go to see my friend Andy. Andy. I'm going to go see my friend Andy. <laughs> you know, I always talk about pop culture being uh, being uh, such an incredibly important part of how we think and what we do and say. And that's why I said hell, you think of red and yellow. The, the Satan, you think of the death, you think of a man or an actual thing. Death is coming. You know, it's not like you're alive and then death is put into you or there's, you know, there's no such thing. You can't hold death, taste it. You know, life you can see. Life is the animation, the movement, breathing. There's a, there's a body with the organs and everything working together. That's life. You won't, you immediately know that man's alive. That dog's alive. You know, you immediately know that dog's dead. That man, gone. Speaking of the, the bone garden, right? That's because that's it. We know, we know that, but we, we know we could see, but we can't see death. It's a death is, that, that, that doesn't move. It doesn't dance. It doesn't, we do the dance of death. You can do St. Vitus's dance. <laughs> I do the dance of death. Means if you could, you can't do a dance of death because if you're dead, you can't dance. I won't dance. Don't ask me. I won't dance. My clock is running again here too. Or do we got 51 minutes? I wonder if I could run. You know what's fun about this? It's like you're sitting here with me, though. Right? Because I'm doing this. Right? I said right again. I'm, I got to stop this. It's driving me nuts. A while ago, I was telling you I needed to find a little phrase or something that I would say. Like we talked about when we played the Henry Miller talking. Don't you know? He said, don't you know all the time. It's said, don't you know? You know? I wanted to find one for myself. And I, I stole, which is not a neo-postmodern thing. I, I've got so used to hearing somebody say, right, right, that I'm doing it and I'm trying to stop doing it because I want my own. Right? <laughs> it goes, well, wait, now what was I going to do? I was going to do something else. Oh, I wonder if I could do this, I said. Let's see. If you know, what we haven't done in a while. Let's do Molotov M- Molotov Memoirs spot. That that book's still available in in uh, and this is you know holidays are here, so it, great. And as you might have seen at ijdaily.blogspot.com, links to all the books. Go get them for your friends. Here's a let's see if this works. Oh yeah. 
Hi, this is the Jigman Freud. Yes. How are you? Better known as Jiggy Jaguar. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I'm a good clotter. Reminding everyone with an earshot. Lots of disposable income. That Frank Catolo's new book, More Top Memoirs, is now available at blurb.com. You're going to write that down. I know there is not one of you out there that ever trusts a word I say. I'm George W. Bush. But this time I mean it when I tell you. This is probably good. That you will not be sorry. Everybody loves you and so do I. I love you. You're not going to be sorry when you buy and read Multiple Memoirs by Frank Catola. It's not about me. A copy or two or more. You may regret knowing me. So go to blurb.com and buy. I'm Frank Catola. This is probably good. But you will never regret buying Molotov Memoirs. So go to blurb.com. Well, I talked to Condi and asked her to call Andy. Amcast Radio ate my balls. I love it. Everybody loves you and so do I. <laughs> You're right. I've gotten very old, have you? He used the, wow, this is already in the, the United States is in the second term of uh, Barack Obama. And he was using these voice uh, voice tags. They're not called tags. These voice, what are they? what do we call them anyway? Using these voice things about from George Bush. Is that all he had? That was Jiggy Jaguar. Who, of course, once the year turns over, we do our annual Jiggy Jaguar show. Maybe this year. You know what we're going to do this year? We're going to have Jiggy Jaguar and the Dez. We're going to do another one of those crazy, you know, drug-sounding show. Drug-sounding shows. It's going to sound like we're just out of our mind. There have been so many of those. There have been just crazy ones. And and we did some crazy stuff on on. Uh, I wonder if I have any of those. We've done some crazy things on radio, internet radio, back because because we're just nuts. And as you know, if you've ever listened to the Dead Show, and I might be on the Dead Show Friday night, by the way. And I and I usually don't allow that to uh, to go around a lot because <laughs> it's just. Really, it's a really horrible show. And if I'm on it, it gets worse. I just don't know what to do on that show. The desk is great because he could do two, three hours. You want to talk about me sitting here for two, three hours? The desk does a show and does nothing. Literally does nothing. Talks about nothing. I come up with beams, ideas, you know, conscious explanations and uh, suppo- suppositions. Suppositions, suppositions. I teach you how to do French. Say French. I don't teach you how to do it. If you don't know that, then don't. <laughs> but and yet, and yet, he does. The desk does nothing. But he'll be fun. when he's on with Jiggy Jaguar. I mean, you really, you either want to turn the show off, throw something at your computer, or wreck whatever it is that is that is amplifying the sound from this show, or. I don't know what. Or you're listening to it and going, I need a large dose of Oxycontin. Oxycontin. I can never say that. Oxycontin. And and one of these days, and there's a lovely movie. As I, <laughs> I said, no, 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 don't do that. You know, it's time for uh, 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 this during this Christmas season. You know, I'm a great fan, and you must all know by now if you've done any research, if you've written it down, uh, and 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 listened to a man named Gene Shepard, who through the years, well before he became popular for a certain thing, which is of course the Christmas. A Christmas Story, which was turned into a movie. Now, the movie uh, where he is the narrator um, um, is 
probably the most overplayed Christmas movie of all time. And the, the, it's from a story, believe it or not, in a book. It's not even an entire movie. It's from a story and from a, many of his monologues about being a kid in uh, in the Midwest. But the original story comes from a book called uh, uh, God, uh, wait, uh, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. This a wonderful book, and you know, Gene Shepard, of course, has great influence upon me. If you hear any Gene Shepard shows which are available at YouTube or my tube or his tube or their face or your face or our space, you will find, <clears throat> you will say, hey, that's that's a lot like, that's a lot like Catola. That's Catola over there. And that, of course, these movies are going to be coming up and we're going to be hearing Gene again because I think there was a station that played it over and over and over and over again. But there were some, there are movies... And like I saw for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and although it was not, you know, even, even before Thanksgiving, you know, you're not even thinking Christmas per se. And I saw this bad, this movie, Bad Santa. I never saw that with Billy Joe Thornton. Is that his name? Billy Joe Thornton. Uh, a man who I admire beyond the belief because he, uh, because he, uh, in his lifetime, made out with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I'm so petty. I'm so, I'm so, uh, isn't, that, isn't that horrible? You know what's not horrible about the fact that I admit this stuff, okay? I'm very big on that. <laughs> I do admit that. I would actually, it doesn't mean I'm insecure. It just means it's like, you know, if I met Billy Joe Thornton, I would have only one thing on my mind. I don't care how well he acts. I don't care how well he writes. I don't care how well he, he's got a little band, you know, he plays guitar or something or bass. I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I want to know is making out with Angelina Jolie. All right? and my, it's, and I, it's horrible, but it's me. And that's why you supposedly, those of you who've been coming to this show through the years, come to this show through the years because you know that you get me. This is me. Frank Atolo, the man whose name adorns the title of the show. It's not a program. If it were a program, it would go smoothly. <laughs> it doesn't go smoothly. It just goes as it goes, like the river flows. We're looking now on our Skype to see if our friend, uh, because I'll just, you know, I got to just keep going. I can't, I can't do anything that is, what is all this stuff now? People put things up on, on, uh, What's it? Skype home. Now they have all these. Speaking of which, right? Log off. Some person writes log off. We'll do. Okay, that. Love me or hate me. It's going to be me. All right. These people who leave these little notes. Little things we give away come back as blessings some other day. It's God's way of giving rewards to those who share their unselfish hearts. That's what it says. Right after that, it says, nude Skype show, $35. (laughs) Velvet Steel is online. This is great. Velvet Steel is online. And let me see. Should I call her? Yes. I'll I'll show you. Let's see. see. It popped up there. Velvet Steel is online. Now in a ring, I didn't even give, I didn't give her a chance. I didn't give her one. Hello? I didn't give you like one second probably to even relax. I saw the name come up and I immediately called. 
<laughs> I didn't give you. I mean, that is so rude, isn't it? It's okay. Is it's it? perfectly fine. Can, now, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfect, yes. You see, this is another – that's another – a little repartee, repartee, that's a little repartee right there that I'm telling <laughs> to the audience that it's like, you know, you don't hear that. You don't hear that on like regular, you know, uh, brick and mortar radio. You know, a person answers your talk. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I know. Can you hear me? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have I'm a tough, like tough? with my head cut off. But anyway, I'm here and I was just like, oh my God, I haven't got to make it on time oh, to get in here. Yay. You made it in plenty of time. What is that weird sound behind you? Which sound? Well, there's a few people in the background here because I just I'm cut, running with the, like a chicken with my head cut off, so I got things on the go. Oh. And um, but well, you're okay I'm for the telling... next the next fifty minutes. You're okay, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. All right. Well, then tell those people to keep keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tell them I said so. And, uh, unless yeah. they want to be on the show, they can actually, they can, you can, uh, they can talk. You can have them say things. I don't care. But you know, I'm, I'm introducing my audience to you, uh, and they don't know you. Well, hello, everybody. This is Velvet Steel, and I was talking before about the, uh, the name, you know, the, 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 the name, which is, of course, a, 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 a contradiction in feelings. All kinds of different things. Well, it's, um, you know, the whole idea of like, uh, soft and hard and all those other different things too. And it was one of those names that sitting there thinking about what do I do? And at the time it was just being used as a stage name and it was a name that kind of stuck. So, um, I mean, you're probably hearing squeaking right now. That's me sitting on this chair. So that's probably what's really squeaking well, away you know, here. You're, you're, there's just the sound of you squeaking on a chair. I don't mind. It's those weird voices. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, oh. I may ask you later on to uh, to do some of those sound squ- uh, chair squeaking sounds. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I remember taking the name when sitting in Toronto and uh, choosing, you know, something like because I always like the name Velvet, like the fabric and Velvet and stuff like that. And then this person who was who was you know, Hungarian opera fashion designer telling me, "Oh, well, you should go with something like you know Velvet Danish or Danish Steel or something like that." And I'm like. No, I don't think that. So I don't want to sound like a piece of pastry. So, <laughs> isn't there a, isn't there another velvet steel? Isn't there's something? Is there a group or something, or a name, or a place, or a club, or something? There, there was somebody using the name velvet steel, and this was after I used mine. And they, and oddly enough, they were doing fetishistic images and drawings at the same time too. And this is about ten years after I started using the name for myself. And, um, and unbeknownst to me, and this came to me from friends of mine and said, Oh, have you seen this one? And they're using, um, documentation or wording that you've already got written out there about yourself to describe their art. So it was a little bit uncanny and I went and checked it out further and turns out, of course, they had, you know, used the stuff based on me. Um, and, uh, went from there. So they, you know, politely I asked them if you could not, if you're, unless you were going to give reference to me, use the name and especially use my advertising about myself. And, uh, but they never bothered to say nay, yay, no, diddly Scott, boo, or kiss my ass or whatever. They just stopped using it and then went on calling it some other different name and continue to produce the art. So I don't know what they're up to now, but that was how that came about. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know, and, and I would imagine a lot of the people from my particular, uh, my particular crowd, this tribe over here, uh, if, uh, how, why don't you just tell them quickly, 
they're going, well, what is, what is, who's Velvet, is Velvet Steel a, uh, an actress? Is, is Velvet Steel, what is Velvet Steel? What does she do? What is she saying? What is she, what, well, how would you describe yourself to, here's an audience right here, and, and I go, and now here's Velvet Steel, and you go, hi, I'm, <laughs> uh, but we could say that I'm a performance artist, that's for sure, but, mm -hmm. um, truth be known, I'm dominatrix, a professional dominatrix, have been for years, but one of my hidden little secrets happens to be that I am transgendered. And um, that's one of the things that uh, I sort of got thrust into the limelight about. I didn't expect it to happen. I mean, you know, when you're doing things like professional domination, you're trying to keep things on the down low and not let people know it because you're living the life of, well, your professional life, your family life, and then you've got this alter ego kind of life where you're making money, you know, creating people's fantasies for mm -hmm. them and everybody gets it so but, but we need to we need to tell everybody because people are confused with the with the the definitions and we're very big on uh, exact definitions here um, when we talk about uh, uh, transgendered transsexual translucent trans trans transportation or, or as they say in French transportation That's tell them uh, that you're 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 a woman that's right. Now, does is a transgender by definition? And I take those two words and I, I put them in English and in a uh, in, in a particular in that particular way, and it means trans translated from or transformed from one to, a, to transformed a, your gender. That's what it means, right? That's right. Um, see, when when I have, go have this discussion with any. Uh, the, well, people who don't get it really and people who are sort of somewhat rude about it in mm -hmm. terms of their ignorance. Um, they, transgender seems to be a blanket term that is applied to most people that have gone through anything mm -hmm. sort of transitional in terms of gender. But it doesn't necessarily apply to having a gender reassignment surgery. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you, a person can be transgendered periodically, temporarily. Um, and generally, they you see that with, for example, gay men when they are um, doing drag, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, they're performing that way. They, they become transgendered and assume the drag name and as well as the persona and gender of that individual. Now, cross-dressers, for example, which are generally in, well, 99.9% .9 of the time, cross-dressers are straight men who also dress as the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And also become transgendered at that time. Um, so it, it's become a very complex definition, but all transsexuals are transgendered. That's basically a given. Whether you're female to male or male to female transsexual, you are a transgendered individual. Now, I brought all this up not to, not to uh, point it out. I want to make sure everybody knows exactly who you are. You're a full-time woman. You're a woman now. Yeah. And you became a woman in... What was it? Was there a technical date? Oh, there won't be a date. I mean, did you, after surgery, you wake up and you're a woman. What, when was that? What year? Uh, well, that's uh, it's 18 years ago now. Uh, it so happens that my birthday is on May the 18th, and I went through the surgery on May the 13th. Um, so I actually, I had my birthday in the hospital, unable to move and get up and do all these other different. So, I mean, my, my physical birthday, yes, but then I guess if you want to go my spiritual new transitional birthday it also was five days before my actual birthday birthday so okay uh, yeah so so we can send you so, but, but you only want to get one card every year though right just 
One's good enough. One good one <laughs> card to velvet, and you have now. For, now next, let's let's move into all the places they could uh, look into you on the on the uh, internet. Look look at all the stuff, and then and then we're going to talk about so, the stuff that you and I said we were going to talk about. That that's just uh, fascinates me. Uh, where. If they just uh, Google or Yahoo or Ask.com uh, or Bing you, if they Bing you, I don't want to use that phrase. That doesn't sound very well. If they uh, they get to Velvet Steel, they're going to get your private site. They're going to get a whole bunch of things. Where, where, but, and you also, and you're selling things. Give us, give us the Well, I have up, um, I call it a placeholder site right now at present time, and that's at www.justvelvetsteel.com. And that's steel uh, with an e. St. I want everybody to know it's steel with an e. I think you get that other old steel the other way. It's steel. Everybody's with... spelling it S T E A L. Um, and I just said no. That's just just a little too much of a play on words. And originally, yeah. what I had done was here's another little story. You know, there's a lot of jealous people and haters out there, as we all know, playing around on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I was just calling myself Velvet Steel without the E on the end. And it just so happens that people that get their knickers in a knot and get jealous of me, um, when we were, I was doing fetish parties here in Vancouver and they became quite successful. And, you know, unbeknownst to these haters out there and jealous individuals, I was pretty involved in doing, you know, like a, a cultural fight with the city, um, civic officials, provincial and federal officials, and that included the police, that included fire marshals, to make these fetish parties a very culturally sound and necessary event. So, um, and because they took off, they took off bigger than I could have imagined. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should have, maybe you should have, shouldn't have called them fetish parties. Maybe right off the bat, I think that would, uh, that would be a problem, right? Well, I think so, but... Um, I mean, for haters and people who are just, you know, judgmental. Uh, all we needed was 50 right. come through the first night, the first door we ever had it in. Um, that was it. It was cemented in stone. And uh, so as a result of people attending the parties, well, I didn't realize that people... Remember in the early days, obviously, do of the internet, people going out and buying domain names of everybody all over the place. Right. Madonna, for example, all this stuff. Well, I'm not Madonna, and I certainly don't have the bank account that she's got. So, and I found out that someone here in town had actually gone and secured the rights to my name, velvetsteel.com. Hmm. Uh, I did find out who this individual was, and you know, I was wow, really, and, and and confronted them, and they were so shocked and amazed that I was able to find this information out. It's like, well, it's not hard to figure out, and I know enough techie people. But anyway. Um, so that's why how S-T-E-E-L-E came into to being. And mm. you, like I said, if people just look me up on Google or any of those other places, um, they'll certainly find a series of pages about me. Mm. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook as well with a fan page because I, I was actually um, booted off of Facebook with using my name, Velvet Steel, because this is in the days that they wanted everything to be you know, your legal name and this and that and all this other stuff. So I got booted off and I had to go in there using my birth name and uh, create that and then create the fan page. That's why you have, I see, that's why there are two pages there with your, your with your birth name. Yeah. And, I mean, one with that and one with, and then the Velvet Steel, which isn't, the Velvet Steel is not a, it, that's just one of those stops, right? One of those Facebook stops where you go and like it or not like it. There's not, that's not an interactive, is it? They are interactive, as a matter of fact, yeah. So, so if someone likes you, um, they can certainly send you a message and interact 
interact and say that they like this or like your posts and all these other different things. It, it's it's highly interactive. I thought there but were two like, kinds, different kinds of pages. I'm confused. Go ahead. It is, but I mean, my intention when I first um, went and did my page after I was found out that where I were to do this, I was hoping to migrate people from my from my birth name page over to the Velvet Seal page. Well, that didn't work. Um, it, it just kept on growing and growing and growing with my home page. That now trying to get people to go over to the fan page didn't work either. So, but now people can subscribe to your page and and you can still grow in numbers that way. So, I just rather than do that, I just went and said, okay, well, you know, so and so is Velvet Steel, and your listeners, if they want to go and find me, they'll be able to find both pages. I'm okay with that. I just won't give them the birth name now, but. <laughs> But, um, you know, and Velvet Steel, I'm on Twitter as well. I've got a MySpace account. Um, Google Plus has booted me off. Really? Yes, they have. Because so, why? Did they give you a reason? Because of the name. Oh. Huh. Well, I, I'm here with their emails, that, that our diatribe back and forth in regards to me not being able to use Velvet Steel to sign up for Google Plus to have an account there, hmm. which is such BF. So, I, you know, I don't get it. I mean... WordPress, I've got a WordPress as well. Um, it's not active because, like I said, I'm in the process of trying to develop a new site, which is going to be probably happening very soon as we speak. Um, and I, I've been playing around with Stick'em. I don't know where that's going to lead to, if it's going to lead to anything. I'm not exactly sure. Mm. Uh, but And then also, too, that you'll be able to find my political um, activism as well as my sexual advocacy and my safety, safety rights. I'm tired thinking of this. <laughs> you're like you're fascinating. I'm, don't don't get me wrong. I don't. I, I I'm not judging anybody who does a lot of things. I'm actually judge, constantly judging myself for not doing anything. You know, <laughs> compared to uh, that's fast. I mean, I don't know where there's. Are there any more uh, moments in the day? Um, I'm starting to wonder that myself because one of the that I just recently got asked to be was part of the advisory board for the Vancouver City Hall. Um, that. That portion deals with bylaws and bylaw revisions and changes. And what we're doing right now is we're going over the bylaws in regards to sex work here in the city. Now, wait a second. And I don't want to get confused here. They're not bylaws. I mean, they're by by They're bylaws. They're bylaws. By bylaws. They're not bylaws. I mean, I don't get confused. You're involved with the city as a, as a, in a political sense. As this, this has nothing to do with the whole sexual side of products and things and what you do, right? So no. bylaws, I want to get everyone to make sure. I, she, I'm not talking about bylaws, like bisexual laws, okay? All right, go on. I want to make sure right. these people are awake because, you know. Well, if they, hopefully they're going to be here awake after hearing me. But, um, yeah, I didn't realize that the whole bylaws dealing with sex work in the city were so comprehensive. I mean, when I first got involved with this, which was going on about three weeks ago now, um, it was a result of the Robert Picton trials that were take, that took place here in Vancouver. And if anybody out there doesn't know, Robert Picton is the pig farmer who was convicted of murder um, twenty six women. And in actual fact, the there's a serial killer. Wait a second. How come I don't know about this? There's a guy who killed twenty six women. It's actually thirty three. Thirty three women. He he was a pig farmer. Yeah, he's in jail now. Um, oh, yeah. 30, the the uh, um, the seven that were not actually validated, shall we say, 
was because the DNA that was found with them, which was conclusive to actually identify who the individual was, but was inconclusive for providing enough evidence. Whatever the fuck that means, excuse my mouth, but mm-hmm. that's the case. So they, the media has jumped on the whole thing about saying it's only 26 women, when actual fact is 33. And of that 33, it also includes a Jane Doe who was able to escape her DNA was also found there as well. And um, so as a result of the um, the findings for Wally Opal, who was actually put on to investigate the police handlings of the case and the trial, um, there's recommendations that have now gone to the provincial government in regards to making changes to our bylaws here in Vancouver wow. and how wow. address people dealing with sex work. And that's not only dealing with prostitution, but it's also dealing with stores. Um, it's dealing with sex shops. It's dealing with massage parlors, escort agencies, all kinds of different things. And one of the things, reading over these bylaws, I thought was so strange, was that actual phone sex is illegal. Where? Uh, and without a of a lie, it's illegal. Not only is it legal for, illegal for the purposes of making money off it, but it's also illegal for the purposes of between consenting adults. Where is that? Where, where, is, where is there a law that says that? In Vancouver. In Vancouver. Well, uh, that's, just, it's just, that's a strange old place. Uh, that, that, that's really bizarre. And considering we are so progressive when it comes to all kinds of other different things, and that includes our, our pot laws and... We have these compassion clubs and we have all kinds of different things around town in, in regards to um, uh, swingers clubs and things like that. But what yes, is the, what would have, be the, what would be, what do you do? Get a, get a fine? I mean, what does the operator, or the, is there a phone sex police uh, a, a, a segment of the police department there? Or do they, do they pick up lines? They're not allowed to do that even in Canada, are they? I mean, how do they find out somebody's having any kind of uh, exchange of, uh, of excitingness? How do they find that out? They have their monitors out there, I guess. They I mean, monitor phone calls? Isn't that like, in essence, against the Constitution of Canada? Doesn't Canada have a Constitution? Well, <laughs> I'm confused. But it's so broken down into so many different oh, wow. things, and it's regionally as well as city-oriented in regards oh, okay. to laws and legislation okay. that take place. I mean, what comes down from the federal government um, can be interpreted per region, per city, how they want to in their courts of law. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really ridiculous. So what we're trying to do is trying to get some consistency across the country in regards to this, because um, the, the way the police handled, for example, the Robert Picton thing, there were so many um, businesses that were all cohesive and correlating together in regards to all this stuff that it, this could have been stopped a long time ago. Well, what was and- his thing? We don't, We haven't heard a lot about this. On oh, our side of the on our side of the ocean, uh, would, give me his name again slowly. Robert Picton. Picton. P i c k t o n. Okay, that's good. They were, people wrote it down so that they could look that up later if they haven't heard about it. What was his uh, What was his uh, modus operandi in terms of uh, serial killing? Uh, well, what he would do is he would come downtown in a van, and it started to be documented by the women in the downtown. East side. Now, the downtown east side is an area of town where, um, I don't want to say poor and unfortunate, but maybe disenfranchised women that um, are living on the edge, that are marginalized. And, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking about women who may have addictions, um, who are being uh, controlled by pimps, things like that, working the street. So he would pick them up in his van, um, take them out to his farm, uh, proceed to do sexual activities with them, and then he would basically murder them, torture them, and murder them. Mm, okay, so that so all, it's almost like a Jack the Ripper thing. Although I don't know if Jack the Ripper ever yep. 
did sexually. He just tore them apart. But so he'd have he'd have sex with them and then punish them for that. Yeah. Some of them wouldn't even make it to the farm. They'd already be dealt with in the bound. Um, oh, so okay. Well, I, I'm amazing how we thirty three women. How come we have not heard of this guy? Do we have? What do we have to do? Wait for a TV movie? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait for the movie to come out, right? Hmm, so that's we- weird. Um, um, but. Okay, so you, so you politically, we know you're politically involved in, you know, there's, there's other times when I want to talk about, we could talk about other times and other things that, uh, you do. I just want to make sure everybody knows that they could just go to, go to the Google or go to your Google or your Ask or your Yahoo Google or your Google Who or your Yugle and uh, get Velvet Steel. There's, there's, there's a ton of stuff there. Just keep clicking around. There's pictures of you going back to, uh, the uh, Demi- you're not a dominatrix anymore, are you? Um, I still have a small select client base. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, we've had. Uh, I just want to get outside of the necess- the the dear the uh, the whole pornography uh, area. You know, we've had over the years, we've had uh, many many people who've been involved in. Uh, not just pornography, but uh, people who've been involved in the the sex industry. Let's just say, uh, we had, uh, you know, we had one of the first uh, uh, full time uh, porn stars of all time was on this show. Uh, have you ever heard of Annie Sprinkle? Oh yes, I have. Annie was on this show. <laughs> I, I've even seen her show um, in Toronto, and she and she's turned into a real advocate of all sorts of stuff, health and and spiritualism and all sorts of things. She's she's gone that another way too. But anyway, we've had her, we had uh, uh, uh Veronica Monet is uh, was a professional uh, uh a very high priced uh you don't call them a call girl anymore. And I don't know what you call them, a high priced escort. Uh and she's also now involved in social sexual and relationship uh, things and stuff. Okay, that's all well and fine. But the big difference here, of course, is that somewhere along the line, of, and you might have done this had you stayed a man or what have you, but the most fascinating thing, and, and I, I really had these all these questions when I re- when I heard, the first time I heard your, your show, the Transistor Show. And by the way, I want to mention that too, uh, at Out Loud Shows and wherever else it's going to be. <laughs> Transistor, and you can subscribe to it on your RSS or what have you. Uh, Velvet does a, a terrific show, uh, Transistor. Don't think it's just this or about that or this. Uh, it's just coming from that particular energy that uh, that Velvet projects. Uh, Transistor, it, that's the name of it, correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, there's so much more to the whole aspect of it in regards to um, sexuality and, and, and all these other different things. Right. I mean, you know, I even in, encompass law laws. Right, um, it's, it's, it runs the gamut of that, and and we'll talk more about that in uh, in other times and things that we do. But what I wanted to really talk about today, now that we got set up the whole scene there, was uh, that when I was listening, the first show I heard was the one you did about about your derriere, uh and I think you were still a boy. Uh, boy, you were, you were, you were a boy. You were a boy when you had this uh, this epiphany about your the beauty. Of your derriere. Now, I don't know what show that was. That wasn't that long ago, was it? Um, I think it was probably about a month and a half ago, maybe okay. at that time. So it's, it's yeah. a little little while ago, that one there. But it was, um, yeah, it was it was a really eye-opening experience. I mean, especially being in Copenhagen, Denmark with my mother. And there yeah. I am walking around and she couldn't believe the attention that people were focusing on my ass, my butt. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I never thought... 
nothing of it. And I thought it was, you know, kind of humorous at times, but at, at the same time, I didn't focus on it because, I mean, my life at that point in time as a 22 year old was just running around enjoying my world. And but, but you were a boy, but you weren't having any particular, uh, particular, uh, identity. I mean, you, you were, you're in Copenhagen with your mother and, uh, and, and people are, and obviously this issue comes up, right? The issue comes up that people are interested <laughs> in your behind, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, you're, you said, I'm just a 22 year old boy. You're jumping around doing what? Playing soccer, doing boy things? Or, I mean, what is going on? And how did that, how that, when you described that to me, uh, and to me, and well, you did, you described it to everybody. When you described that on the show, I got this sense that this particular, uh, th- this, this particular scenario, this thing that happened with this man who eventually picked you up, uh, and, and, uh, this was a turning point in your in your whole identity that that i mean look anyone anyone could like somebody else's butt uh but you were a boy and yeah. and how did that what is this all about i mean that is this is a fascinating was that the, a, a big that was a big turning point wasn't it it was a huge turning yeah. point i mean I, you know i hadn't really well see i was living my life how i wanted to and i wasn't really putting any conscious thought into it um, I had long blonde hair. I guess when I look back on those days, I was dressing very effeminately. Um, Where are the I, pictures of that? Do you have any pictures of that anywhere on any of your uh, I, sites? No, I, I don't have very many pictures. I, I mean, I wasn't really into the whole idea of having pictures taken, period. Um, it was one of those things that I wasn't really interested in, and I always never really cared for the look that I had when I was actually having pictures taken because I just hmm. thought, this isn't who I want to be. This isn't what I want to project. Um, and it wasn't until I actually saw myself in pictures that that's what I thought. When I wasn't seeing myself in pictures, I didn't really care. Um, so you were and, a boy, and you were a boy, and you're walking around, you're a boy, and you weren't... Not only yeah. you were pushed into this, but for, for some reason or another, this happens. Where were you before all this was brought to your attention? Uh, well, uh, at the time, um, I was having lots of gender issues prior to that. Okay, all right. Let's yeah, that's yeah. I mean, where what was going? You were just dealing with those in what respect? I keeping them swept under the rug. Bottom oh, line. Okay. I mean, were you were you was your mother? And you were just there with your mother. I don't know the whole situation, and I don't really you know you don't please don't say anything you don't want to say. I know you're so open, so I don't want to say anything that it might be personal, but you're in Copenhagen. You're living with your mother in Copenhagen? I was not. I was no. living on my own. I had moved over there to do um, hairdressing and things like that, and I'd always been skirting okay. the issue of sexuality and, and in particular fetish interest because it was really growing for me, and I wasn't quite sure about what it was all about. But you were um, born in Canada. You were born in Canada, right? Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Ottawa, okay, which is, for those of you who want to go to a bar and win a couple of bucks, the capital of uh-huh. Canada, no one will say it. Yeah, everybody gets that wrong. That's our capital in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, so... So you were born there and then you're uh, you're raised and you're and uh, you're raised with, in what kind of a family? You, have, you got a complete family or do you not have a father or what? Oh, we did. Um, after after my brother was born, which was 13 months after I was born, we were on a boat to England. Actually, not a boat, we were on a plane. And uh, we moved over there because my father was actually working in the North Sea as a pipeline welder. So he was on the... Oh, okay. Uh, he thought it'd be easier for us to be living in England 
at the time. So because our family is Danish origin, we were going back and forth, back and forth to Denmark all the time. But, um, you know, even as a kid, I, I had pictures of myself as a kid wearing tights, um, wearing, having my hair curled, all those different things like that. And, you know, this is just stuff that my mother was doing to me all along because I liked it. I wanted it to happen. My brother couldn't care less. I mean, I was, I couldn't ride a bike because I was terrified of riding a bike for a long time. Well, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I ended up head-on collision with the bike going down the hill and not being able to figure out how to pedal backwards to put it into brakes. Wow, um, that's uh, that's not uh, something most people don't pick up pretty no, quickly. No. <laughs> but, go, but go ahead. So, so, so what you're saying to me is... There's, there is an issue in terms of you personally are going, why am I not as boy-like as everyone else? Right. I was terrified of baseball. I hated soccer. Um, football never did a damn thing for me. Any of those sports like that, those team kind of sports, I couldn't, I couldn't get a grasp on. Mind you, I love gymnastics. I loved figure skating. I loved all that stuff. But at some point, and I can't remember what age that was, but I was told that that's not what little boys do. Mm. Um, so my interests basically, well, were those kinds of sports where I could express myself and go on that way. And then art, art, and all kinds of drama and all these other different things. So it was like one of those that I was told that's not what little boys do. And I so clearly remember that statement. And I remember that time frame and swimming. Swimming was nothing I loved doing as well. Now you're going back and forth. You said you're going back and forth uh, to uh, Denmark uh, as, uh, uh, as a uh as, as a child, because of your dad or whatever you now that area of the world, even back then, when things were not necessarily, when things were swept under the rug uh, in North America, and when the, the whole sexuality thing was rather constricted, uh, that was always a place known for for uh, sexual freedom. So, when you were going back and forth, did you have this conflict of uh, of atmospheres? Um. In, see, laws and legislations have changed in Denmark about a lot of different things in the recent 15, 20 years, right? So prior to that, it was a lot more open at that point. Um, pornography, for example, sexuality, all these different things weren't brought into question. Nobody seemed to question it. Right. And I can't really remember when it was that it was there was a definitive moment in the Danish world or the Danish country as to when things started to change. Like recently, as a matter of fact, 1999 is when um, prostitution was decriminalized in Denmark. And but they had a very vibrant red light district mm -hmm. and gender and everything was no one really questioned it. And I know myself going back and forth to Denmark as a child. I loved, I mean, I loved coming back with my clogs. I was wearing clogs before anybody in Canada was wearing clogs. And I remember getting beaten up in school over wearing clogs, for example, because it was, oh, you, you fag, you this, you that. But you felt more comfortable in, uh, uh, in, in Denmark because it was a completely different atmosphere in the, on the sexual horizon. Is that correct? No one cared. Yeah. No one was anything to do with that. And that's why I felt so at home over there. And I decided, well, when I was old enough, because I need to, well, really what I need to do is I need to break a break from Canada to get over to, to Denmark because it was so liberal and then I could be free. I could start expressing myself and being my, my life. And it just so happened that my mother showed up for a visit from Canada and then just set everything into a tailspin yet again. Mm -hmm. um, she never knew what was going on and she didn't want to. And I remember having some really serious fights in Denmark when she was over there about it. And, uh, you know, to the point she's like, these are kind of people you want to hang out with. I want no fucking part of it. I want this, blah, blah. She was the most vocal I've ever seen my mother in angry, angry period. 
about anything to do with my my identity, my friends, my lifestyle. Um, and you know, and I want to remind people too that this isn't just a it's not a lifestyle choice. It's something that was necess it was necessity for me. I mean, I had to be there. I had to do this. I had to learn. I had to grow. I had to be a part of it to be me. Um, now, so I don't want to go. Okay, um, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to get the before I forget because I'm I'm uh, I'm mentally challenged this way. <laughs> I'm going to get you when I get when I get this uh, when you get to a point. I'm just going to interrupt you to get. To get uh, yeah. to get this out uh, now, you said you know your mother comes over there and uh, you're having a, a drama with your mother now. In my mind, and I can make up this story because I don't know it, but I think a lot of people would probably make this up. You, you mentioned that your father was a, a welder on a on. I mean, your father is a a blue collar uh, industri- industry maze. I get the sense that we're talking about a template because you know, it's like my father was a you know was a plumber a, a template. Masculine hand worker, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so now wait a second. Now you're saying you're over there and having uh, problems with uh, your mother. I, we got to get your your dad into here. He has two sons, and one of them likes to wear clogs and run around in Denmark in this and his curling hair and stuff. And what what what's your mother's yelling at you? What about him? Is he on the scene or anything, or does any of this matter? I don't know. I mean, it's the thing that, you know, my brother and sisters and I, we all talk about too, is the fact that my mother hid so much information from my father. He was shielded from a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, how could he not? I mean, if, if men, if men are walking around and you're a boy and they're looking at your ass, I mean, you know, you, I mean, your father must know he's got this gorgeous boy. I mean, I'm not saying, you know what I mean? He's got to be able to see it. He's not blind, right? How, does not means nothing to him. How could your mother hide that? In other words, what I'm saying is she could hide how you react and what you do and everything like that. But he's looking. Doesn't? Did he ever look and go, "Wow, that's like my son," and he's like, he's almost he's prettier than my daughters, or what? I have to be honest. I don't know, but I can tell you. Really? That, I mean, yeah. Your viewers have, or your listeners have to understand that as well. That my father, being a welder, he was gone for a lot of the our years. So years. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were times he was gone for a year, and we wouldn't see him sometimes for eight months. Okay. But my mother would be on a plane to go and visit him wherever he was working around the world. So wow. us kids behind at the house okay. and, you know, we'd have our grandparents or aunts come and look after us while my mother went and visited my father. Um, but, you know, and my father and I, our relationship wasn't the best when I was growing up. It was quite strange, um, but only because I was I was doing my own thing. And I, I know I remember very clearly as a child as well, learning to ride a bike, my father becoming so frustrated, throwing his hands up in the air and then not wanting to deal with me learning how to ride a bike. Yeah. My brother took to riding a bike so much easier, so much faster than I did. So and I was like, oh, OK, well, what's that all of So honestly, too, I was left to fend for a lot of my own interests as a younger child. So I didn't really stick around too much or do a lot of different things that I was interested in doing with my family. So Let's I mean, talk about the siblings. Though. You had how many siblings do you have? One brother and two sisters. Okay. How are you? Are you? Did, uh, growing up, did you more relate to your sisters? Um, you- they were quite a bit younger. I mean, four and five years younger than me. I'm the oldest one, and uh, my brother thirteen months younger. And my brother and I would get along to a point. Um, we didn't share the same interests. We weren't interested in playing with the same types of toys. Right. But, um, you know, when, when we were in school, there was this sort of camaraderie between the two of us because, well, I was different. Um, the kids could see that. And there was always some sort of schoolyard stuff going on when it involved me. I mean, the clogs was just one issue. 
Um, you know, the fact that I wanted to jump rope and do jump see with all the girls in school and all these other different things, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do art. I, like I said, I wasn't, one of the games that I actually got really good at playing in school was British Bulldog. <laughs> I mean, like, and Red Rover, those two games. Cause like, explain, explain to British Bulldog to people. Uh, well, Red Rover, Red Rover is a game where, um, you'd have certain, uh, X amount of kids on both sides, split up into teams first, and then you would go Red Rover, Red Rover, we call Stanley over, for example, and then you'd link arms, and then Stanley would run across the field and break through your arms when your, your, um, arms were locked. I know, I've talked a lot about this, we used to play, and we used to play this thing called Johnny on the Pony in, in Brooklyn. This is, this is kind of these real, very physical contact games. So that's a British Bulldog? Oh, that was British, was that the other one? Rover. I mean, and that was, and that was a game where, like, I, for me, I had a good time playing it because I would just barrel into these people who were such creeps to me in the schoolyard. And that that was part of the game, right? And then British Bulldog was the other one, too, where um, you'd start from one end of the field and there'd be one person. And they'd yell British, and then uh, he, the one person in the middle of the field would have to tackle one person to bring them down. And then that person that he tackled would be part of that team. And then you keep on doing it until all the kids that had been tackled were now part of this team. And then the last one standing was the winner of this game. So um, that was, you know, and you could do anything you wanted to get out of the clutches of the individual trying to pull you down to the ground. And I remember doing that too. And I was so good at weaseling out of their arms and getting <laughs> that's like a That's like a, uh, a street version of rugby. Yeah. 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 You, you, like you had like, oh, sometimes 30, 40 kids piling on top of one to get this person down. And now, did you crazy. find that, uh, did you find that uh, stimulating uh, just as, as anybody would because we were all kids and doing that? Or did you find it uh, uh, differently, differently? Did you find, because you were a boy, did that? Loved it. I loved it. I loved mm. it because it was my way of getting back at the, the schoolyard bullies. It really was. Um, and, uh, you know, when we weren't allowed in the field because, and, well, it was muddy or rainy and all these other different things, we were always on the on the cement around the school playing all the other games. So, yeah, I... Okay. I, I were very, very feminine, very interesting. And, and like I said, Nick goes... And this is all interlinked with my independence of the games that I wanted to play. I couldn't... I mean, I remember as a, as a kid doing swimming lessons as well because I loved to swim. And then, of course, when puberty reared its ugly head, that turned into a whole big fiasco for me too because, like, why do I have these feelings? And why am I? Why are my hormones being so screwed up that I'm developing breasts? Because um, I did. You were. Uh, you were developing breasts before. You even. You're really well. I've got XXY chromosome. A little thing people don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The old chromosome thing. Yeah. What when? And what, but you didn't know this, right? had no clue. I just thought what was wrong. And of course, there was the schoolyard taunts once again, right? So I um, decided that while I was swimming, I mean, you know, you're supposed to be a boy, but yet you've got little boobies. So I didn't want to go swimming anymore. And uh, even though I loved swimming, hmm. what can I do to cover? Well, I could wear a girl's bathing suit, but no, I'm not allowed to wear a girl's bathing suit because hmm. I'm not a little girl. So and, you know, as the other kids, like my two sisters were very heavily involved in gymnastics and figure skating. Well, they were getting picked up, and my brother was now involved in soccer, and then my other sister, my younger sister, got involved in soccer as well. So they were being picked up. I mean, I remember standing outside in the freezing rain in the dead of winter with icicles hanging from my hair because they had forgot to pick me up. And that happened several times. So, you know, you just 
as a child, just learn to deal. Right? And you look, you look back at this now, or uh, you, you haven't, you haven't written your uh, memoirs yet, have you? But that there, there is a plan to do that. Okay, yeah. I figured that. But do you, do you, are you, uh, you convinced? Are you convinced that in, uh, in your development, uh, in your mother's uh, uh, body, as you were. Or even at pond conception, that uh, that the zeros and the ones are going to be give the chromosomes, the y's, the x's. I mean, you know, are you convinced that something went awry? Uh, I think so. Um, now, and it could, of course, went awry the other way. I mean, you could have meant to be a woman, but you felt, but things happened chemically. Are you convinced of all this? Because there's there doesn't seem to be any particular psychological. God, you know, this is terrible. I don't mean to sound pedantic. I'm not a. I'm not an analyst, and I don't play one on TV. Okay, but I, but I'm so fascinated in all this. Uh, uh, that's why I'm asking you. Are you convinced when 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 uh, at the end of the day, as they say, and you sit down and you go, "I'm Velvet Steel. Look at me, and I really feel I am this woman." Do you sit and go because that's what happened? Something. Happened in the womb when I was developing, and um, you know, I mean, if I look at myself today without any hormones, like I mean, I tried so hard to, you know, try to look like a boy in terms of my physical attributes, and I never could do it. I mean, I had I had a, a chest to waist to hip ratio that was just crazy, um, you know, in, in terms of feminine female, and the uh, another thing too that I think you know. Is, for me, it was a telltale sign. It's like I have um, superfluous nipples as well. So um, aside from my two regulars, I also have two others that were there, and they were trying to tell me that these were forcep marks from when I was born where they needed to get I mean, Well, no, they're not. I found out that they're not. And I, I, I knew that they weren't from the start, wow. from the get-go. Um, and, and the, you know, I didn't develop anything to do with body hair until I was 29 years of age. 29. Wow. And then, you know, and as for facial hair, it's the same, same deal, you know. So I, I am 100% convinced that something happened in there. And, you know, and I've gone through all these different studies and read all these. Yeah. Are there, are there theories on, on this stuff? Because you don't hear a lot of it in this particular, uh, in this particular, uh, way. No, I mean, there, there are, I mean, different things can contribute to different chemical imbalances or chemical changes in the womb in terms of a person's development. Um, they even say like specific types of food can dictate whether it's going to be a boy or a girl, for example. Right. Um, all these crazy things, and I really 100% believe it. I mean, it's like I believe, you know, I believe um, the whole idea of like dietary things and stuff like that can also dictate whether or not you're going to be getting sick with cancer, for example. Okay, but you're you you, you must be just in terms of let's forget about all the all the stuff and the input and so like you said, whatever happened must have happened at a very a very deep level. I, I don't know if it had anything to do with more fruit or less red meat. There's probably something really happened at a very deep level that I don't understand in terms of, you know, uh, conception. Uh, and your situation is probably one in what? I mean, because you always hear about men who, who either turn to become women or or stay, uh, you know, half man, half woman, and, and say things like, you know, I just, I've always had this uh, pr pr a propensity uh, to feminine, and I feel better feminine, and I think I was meant to be a girl, and yet, it's not what happened to you, is it? No, no. I mean, um, 
Yeah, it's... You see, you know what I'm saying. Of course you know, because you, you probably run into people all the time who are asking uh, stuff. Or, and you probably know a lot of transsexuals who are not anywhere in your league, right? Oh, I nope. I know tons of them, and I know tons of them who are who are flat out angry with me because they say to me, oh, well, look at you. You just get up looking gorgeous like that every day. It's so easy for you. And then, well, um, okay, maybe elements of it might be easier for me, but let me remind you that I still have to eat, sleep, shit, shower, and shave like everybody else yeah, does. Yeah. You know, put on the right clothes, go to the gym, and take care of myself, mm-hmm. eat right, eat properly, all these other different things. It's really important. And you know what? Um, Diana Vreeland, I love her. She, the editor of Vogue years ago, well, her, whenever statements where she's there's no ugly women there's just lazy women and i really believe that Hmm. you know like everybody is beautiful as far as i'm concerned and if you put the time and effort into it you're all going to be beautiful but and and so i get irked by that statement it's like it's so much easier for you well no it's not necessarily easier for me but why do they think that why do they think that because you are fully a woman is that it i mean yeah i i guess in their eyes the, the presentation of myself which is what makes me comfortable, is that much more um, passable, shall we say, that much more presentable to society. Um, and yet they're walking around with unkempt hair. And, and, you know, one of the things that I would say, too, as well, is you have to put time and effort into your appearance. I believe that with everybody. And going to, for example, the secondhand clothing shop and picking up a floral print dress doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be the ultimate feminine sex <laughs> god, you know? <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that, but you know it is. But it is true. There is there are uh, there are many many people in. in uh, I I don't understand how they. Well, anyway, forget about my opinion. I know what you're saying. Go on. My casual clothes as well, yeah. but I mean, I always because I feel comfortable being dressed and being dressed nice and presentable. That's what I prefer to be. Um, I mean, I remember with my younger years as well when you know when I wasn't really putting too much of a conscious thought to it, but then I realized that I needed to move on with something because I just wasn't happy. Um, walking down the street in a pair of jeans and high cut running shoes and a nice tight t-shirt thinking that, oh, I look like a good boy. And then there was people driving up the street, screaming out their car windows at me, freak, this, that, the fuck are you, a guy or a girl? And I was like, well, I'm not really giving it much of a conscious thought, but, um, you know, maybe I really need to start thinking about this a little bit more to be happy because, you know, I was drinking my ass off at that time and doing all these other different things and shrugging it all off and then finding myself wanting to put on makeup and do the hair and all this other shit and of course being attracted to the boys you know so now there are so many people who go through these particular identity crises in in terms of certainly in terms of gender and there are people who who don't and just get into their peer uh, pressure of problems uh what do you think what quality and this is definitely a quality what quality do you have that do you think uh helped you get through it as opposed to i dare i say it i mean you know like people would will commit suicide for, from you know if they're you know what's going on these days i mean people get hazed and, and and i mean how do you get how did you get through these tough times um uh what 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 of you what what in you what's your element of of personal strength then? I remember the time that I made the decision to actually come out, shall we say. Uh, And at the time, there was just so much going on in my life that seemed to be so negative. It seemed to be all cumulative. And and I had been going through all these counseling things and stuff like that. And I remember the gentleman that I was with at the time, uh, my cat had just died. And that was really traumatic for me as well. And here was this this being, this, this creature that had relied solely and sourcely 
on me for his, you know, his love, his health, his happiness, his food. And he, he had he died and died in my arms. And I just went to, I was a mess over that whole situation. And, um, and then everything else seemed to be just going, to, going to crap. And I just, I remember sitting there looking and this is, you know, when I first got my first computer and, you know, kicking and screaming, going into the new age and really embracing it and thinking to myself, I need to do this. I need to go. And I told him and I said, and it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I knew at that time that it was going to be a little bit of a difficult situation in regards to getting people on board with it. But I decided, okay, first and foremost, I've got to tell him, I've got to tell my friends. And then from my friends, I went and told my family. And in the meantime, I was full on into counseling, full on into my hormone treatment and all these other different things. And uh, it was it was nerve wracking, though, along the way, because I didn't know what my family was going to do or how they were going to respond. Um, and my father didn't speak to me for almost three years as a result of it. And I sent him a letter because I knew that's how I could tell him because it was the only way that I could tell him. And I spoke with him afterwards too, where I said, if I had told you the phone, you would have hung up on me. He goes, you know what? You're right. I would have hung up on you. And, uh, he still has this letter to, to this day. And this is going back close to 20 years ago. Um, when I first came out with everybody and went through all my stuff. And, uh, but I, even along the way, like this still, you know, I have my fair share of, you know, knife wounds, teeth marks, chunks of the flesh that were bitten out of me, beer bottle wounds on my head from people who just don't get it, don't appreciate me, don't like me, um, the ignorance of that. And at the end of the day, all I can do is like, I, I believe and feel, put a smile on my face, keep my head up, my shoulders back, chest out, stomach in, that kind of thing, and just walk forward. I just realized that there's a lot of ignorance out there. And of course, it also makes me feel good too, knowing that I can educate people about what is going on in the world. And that there are other people like me out there, and that all we want to do is be happy and happy at the end of the day. But the, the, um, the, but getting to where you got to the point where you could do that certainly has uh, is a reflection on something about you that is different than uh, than something I mean, a lot of people. I mean, if you're talking about going, you're literally talking about walking through a cultural, uh, a social cultural gauntlet and coming out on the other side completely bruised and saying, well, I know how to fix this. I will just uh, become a woman. And that decision came about in what? And uh, two years, an hour? I mean, when did it actually hit you that it was like, that's it, I'm... I'm going. I would say it was probably about a three to four month process. And then when I finally did say, this is what I need to do, quite literally, it was the weight that was lifted off my shoulder. It was. Mm. But also at the same time, too, when you start going full on and stuff like that, you have to go through the legal and the medical avenues to get all this stuff sure, done. Sure, sure. Um, and I remember sitting there with my counselors, my psychiatrists, psychologists. I mean, you have to go see all of these people so they can pick your brain apart. And being offered antidepressants. And I remember taking the antidepressants and I was on these things for three days and I felt worse than I did before taking them. Yeah. I was, you know, told, oh, well, there's the adjustment period for you to be on these things. And I thought, the hell with this bullshit. And I flushed them down the toilet and made the decision that I have to deal with this on my own. No one's going to make me feel better about myself. I want to, I want to move forward. I need to move forward. And, and you're right. Not everybody is strong enough to do that, but. Um, and, and I do come across a lot of individuals who ask me stuff, and if I can help them in any way, shape, or form, move forward and be positive with it. I'm not no counselor. I'm certainly not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything like that. And 
if they need more than what I can give them as positive input, then I try to refer them on to the proper authorities or avenues where they can go and get the help that they need to do this. But it's out there. Well, for this and, ill, for the ilk that you're talking about, you you certainly are uh, uh, not just unique. You're certainly you would you have to be. Uh, you have to project yourself and expose yourself, if you'll excuse that expression, to, uh, to, to that community because you're an inspiration, uh, to be able to get uh, through all that. That's why I think you'd have a, your book would be absolutely, uh, terrific. I look forward to writing a book too. Mm. And, um, and, and when that's the other thing too, like we would go back to the city hall thing too. That's another reason why they invited me on board too is because I have a pretty strong connection and community with the trans community here in Vancouver. And so I, I know what all these people are because they come to me. I mean, and I don't actively go out and seek them to come to me and speak to me about different things. They just do. They just find me. And, and maybe one of the things that I did too when I was on the series Kink, and this is going back, um, I think, believe it's 12 years ago now. Uh, that's a long time. Because time flies. But yeah. Uh, I would have people coming up to me in the grocery stores wanting to shake my hand and tell me how thankful they were about me being on the show and all these other different things. These were completely complete strangers, and this happened almost every day and went on for a long period of time. And even to this day, sometimes I get people coming up to me saying, you opened my eyes, thank you for sending me in the right direction and informing me of all these different things. And I'm like, for what? Oh, for that show, or for this newspaper article, or for this, or for that. And I'm like, Okay. Um, you know, I, that I, is that is great stuff. And I, I guess what I'd like, you know, it would be great to see you. Uh, and if anybody can do this, apparently it's you. And this just dawned on me. It, uh, the, the assistance and the inspiration that you give to people in the community, in that community is fine. It would be great to see you talking and changing the consciousness of people who are not singing to the choir, of people who uh, actually find... Uh, have you know something wrong with them that makes them judge and be violent or just you know uh, dis disgusted by somebody just trying to be themselves regardless of the details you need uh, somehow to to be able to be the voice to those who oppose you well i'm i, I at present time i've been mulling around the idea of well, number one, the new website and things like that, but also just sitting there and, and creating my own little, you know, Velvet Steel sex chat TV or whatever it's going to be. I don't know yet. Um, I mean, I know there's something that I probably have to do on my own. I am trying to put together a proposal that I can give to producers here in town because I've had people express interest in, in a show that I put on. Um, and that's kind of what I would like to do. So I, I'm going to try the avenue where I can hopefully get funding to actually have a production crew and get paid to do something like this that would be really wonderful to do that if that will happen if not then i'm probably going to have to relegate myself to the same old thing that i've been doing which is plug my camera in, do my thing on my own and sit in front of it and then create something that's going to be interesting going to draw viewers in because mm -hmm. I, I there's a lot of that, that i well i have this yourself included have a list of individuals that i want to interview and and get their thoughts and opinions and what they feel because People are hearing my side of the story all the time, and I think what people need to hear and what they want to hear is everybody else's side of the story as to their perceptions about people like myself. Yeah, yeah. I just think that the that uh, for the first time, I'm, I'm hearing uh, you know I'm hearing a voice that could actually may have an impact on uh, on the uh, the the very forces that 
uh, that stopped you from being yourself in the first place. And those people who are, you know, the, through the bottles and, uh, you know, the people on the other side of the gauntlet, there's just no reason why anybody has to go through that for any reason, uh, whether you're disabled or whether you want to be another sex or whether you want to be uh, that particular frame, uh, consciousness. And you seem to have, having done the entire, gone the full circle, you, you seem to be the voice. I don't know how it, how you go about it either, but, uh, apparently, uh, I, I think, I think that's, that's you. Thank you. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always there trying to break down, you know, barriers and boundaries and ignorance and open up doors for people so they can have a better understanding of life because really it's about live and let live as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, no matter how different you are, you don't want to hurt people. I don't like to hurt people. I don't feel good about hurting people. I don't think anybody in their right mind does. But, um, you know, even, for example, this morning on my way to work at the store, I got spit at by some, well, crackhead on the bus who was really volatile to the point where he was in my face wanting to punch me in the face, calling me this, that, and everything else under the sun on the bus to the point where people were getting up to get between us. Crackpots um, on the bus. Why do they let crackpots on the bus? I, I still don't know to this day. <laughs> uh, Velvet? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, usually we talk with anybody for two hours, but, uh, and it's always great. And it goes really fast. I, I gotta, I gotta let you go here now. And, and I guess I gotta go. But, uh, as you know, we do have a, 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 a cyber uh, relationship now in terms of broadcasters and everything like that. And we'll be dealing with all that we do there. And you'll be on this show again, I hope. And I'll be on your show, correct? You will, you will, and I'm hoping to have you on sooner than later. So. Okay, and we'll uh, and we'll and we want everybody to go to Velvet. Just just put in Velvet Steel, Steel with E, and and go to all those spots there and read some of that stuff. Don't just take it at face value. This is a person who has come a long way to be able to. Uh, however, uh, she entertains oh. you. Well, she has a message. I enter all my or answer all my correspondence, and yes. I highly encourage you to do that. Yes, get a yes. Whole- Aunt, um, however negative you are or positive you are, I welcome it all because I want to know what people think out there. Um, Velvet, we uh, we love what you think, and uh, and we love you. And and I got to say, I don't know what what this means. The first time I saw uh, a, even a picture of Velvet, I was uh, literally uh, 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 torn asunder. Uh, you're a beautiful woman, and I think you're a beautiful person first and foremost. Okay. Thank you, Frank, and thank you for the opportunity, and I love getting to know you too. So we'll be talking. On my show soon too. Okay. Good. Good. Good night, Vancouver. (laughs) Good night to all those people behind you. The town said good night for me. Bye, Frank. Says good night. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good night, Velvet. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye, Velvet. Ciao. Velvet Steel. Certainly, as you know, we love originals on this show, and that's that is that she is an original, and that is she is an original. Now, the question is, how do I get out of this show now? <laughs> My name is Frank Atoll. My man is named the title of the show, Velvet Steel, velvetsteel.com. Go to and get a hold of that and uh, come back to, I think that's Catolo over there. See, I have to say, that is. This is Catolo over here. relatively unscathed. You know why? Because the content, hopefully, has transcended the various uh, little... uh, You don't listen to this show 
But to hear spectacular production, that's why you go see Martin Scorsese movies and Steven Spielberg movies. You don't come to Catolo Chronicles for that. You come for the content. And certainly we had it velvet seal. And um, next week, uh, Dr. Pope will be back again. Uh, for, he's been for a long time. And then, of course, we're going to the uh, uh, roll call at the Bone Garden uh, with the artist D. Uh, we'll let you know what's happening along the way. CatoloChronicles.blogspot.com. Uh, go to Catolo.tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R. Uh, for some more uh, funny stuff and good stuff and entertaining stuff. Stuff. Stuff's what I'm all about. Stuff, okay? <laughs> good night, Mrs. Erstwhile. Wherever you might be, Jen and Sayar, wherever you might be located. <laughs> this is Frank Catolo. I'll leave you now. I have nothing more to say.